Welcome to the Dillingham Group Mobilized Church Podcast, where together we tackle the topics and discuss the strategies of getting the church out of the box. We're glad you've joined us. Now, let's dive right in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mobilized Church Podcast. This is Chris Dillingham, alongside Big Brother Ken Dillingham, Junior the Third, on this glorious, as you can see, if you're watching behind me, this glorious February day, Ken. It's mm. beautiful outside. It is. It is absolutely beautiful. I love it. I love this, Chris. This is my favorite. This is my favorite location for you to broadcast from. Thank I just you. love it when you're there. We get a, we get an opportunity to look out, and you know, uh, one day I remember you had sunshine coming in, and as the show, you know, progressed, it kind of moved in different you know places. And you're yeah, kind of ducking it a little <laughs> bit. <clears throat> it's not not the ideal location. No. Per se, we've seen but... snow, we've seen rain, yeah. deer. There've been deer out there. Is that a song? Or... I've seen the snow. I've seen the rain. I don't know. That's like an old 70s song. I, hey, Crosby, I, Stills, and Nash. I don't even know. That's before my time. So, yeah. To, were, mem- to remember, to remember things. Yeah. You were although, born in the 70s. Although I do have a lot of, uh, I do have a lot of early memories. My wife says I make them up, but, but <laughs> no. no, 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 <clears throat> no, we don't. It's just a gift. <laughs> it is it's just it's a, gift. a gift. That's all it is. So, hey, have you? So, by the way, by the yeah. way, I know we've already three, two, one, and you know what? I mean, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Does it I mean, make a difference? Who cares? <laughs> whatever. Um, I was going to send this into the father and son dilly group. It's funny. Did have you ever had um, a full mouth X-ray? Yes. Do you have wisdom teeth? No, I have okay. my. I had my teeth pulled. Was oh, did you have the wisdom teeth pulled though? I mean. So here's I the had deal. two of them. I had one. I had one, like completely impacted. I mean, turned as sideways as you could possibly get. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. They had to dig that bad boy out. Oh, that's so crazy. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll make my statement later. <laughs> so you can't. No, you can't do that. We three, two, one, it, bro, and we're live. We are live. <laughs> no, the filter kicked in. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, what happened was the the I I had my you know I had my um um full, what do they call it? Like a 24 or not uh, 365 um, or 360. Yeah, there you go. I'm thinking 365 days, 360 x-ray. They came back and the, and I said, do you think I'll ever have to have my wisdom teeth pulled? And he said, you don't have wisdom teeth. And I'm like, I don't, I said, well, don't tell anyone. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's okay. They listen to your podcast. This is all they already know. They already like, know. I don't have wisdom, bro. I didn't get my wisdom teeth. That's my problem. There it is. I got. I can fall back on that. That's crazy, I said, man. You know, That's a gift. It's a gift from the Lord. What, what was funny was he said, I said, why wouldn't I have wisdom teeth? And he goes, well, he said, there's a lot of reasons. He said, the, the, uh, the, the, the scientists that believe in evolution believe that the people who don't have wisdom teeth are actually on ahead of the evolutionary curve <laughs> <laughs> to the people that have wisdom teeth. He probably told them the opposite. You're on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, for all you cavemen out there, glad, to, <laughs> glad you joined us. <laughs> well, I'm only half caveman cause I only had right. two. So I right. was, I was slightly developed. 
just not all the way yet. Easy enough. For, podcasting, easy enough for Kate Beckett. <laughs> awesome. Oh, shucks. We have a good topic today, don't we? We do have a really good topic today. We've had a great uh, pre-show. I, I encourage people to go back and watch it, particularly Ohio State and Michigan fans. I think they'll be particularly <laughs> blessed by that. They will be blessed. They will be blessed. So we do appreciate everybody being on today. And uh, those that are that are checking us out on the gram, Figured that out, got that going live today. So we're excited about that. It's a beautiful day. We've got exciting things to talk about, Ken. Uh-huh. So you ready to get, or just, just go after it today? Let's just go after it. Yeah. Just, it won't be a long podcast because we don't have a lot of good stuff to say. So <laughs> <laughs> that's never stopped us before, bro. It's like, Look, you y'all went an hour and twenty minutes one time and didn't have any good to say. That has never stopped us at all. So it's already it's already uh, kind of shaping up to be one one for the ages. Very true. <laughs> not from a not from a positive way. Just it's kind of out of pocket this morning, but it's going to be good. I feel it's going to be good. I do. Let's go. Think, Let's rock and roll. Is. I think. Right. And by the way, let me yeah. tell Gary Gary Gothier just needs to know. He, you just need to understand, I don't need a comment in the comment section to derail me. I can derail the whole podcast <laughs> all, all by myself, For bro. Real. For real. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, man, that is hilarious. All, all right, right, Tony Richard, smarty drawers. <laughs> 30 we, had a guest, we had a guest on. What would you do, go back and time it? For crying out loud. We'll you can just tune out right now, buddy. We'll get some shade thrown. It's it's me, bro. It's my, I'm the problem. It's me. Did I is, is that a Taylor Swift song? I don't know. The only reason I know it is because my wife says it. That's all I know. So if I just quoted Taylor Swift, I just hold on. I need to take a moment and just repent. You need to make a touchdown. I don't, don't want to dive into the Taylor Swift uh whatever debacle. Anyway, all right, you ready to go? Let's go. I am. All right, here we go. So, well, this is this is why we're trained professionals because we can shift right into the flow, Ken, of the conversation today, and yeah. it's going to be amazing. So, here's what we're going to talk about, and and so this could be this could be a little controversial, maybe. Just a little, just a little bit controversial. So, there's a lot of conversation. So, you we we had an, an opportunity to get connected with some people that have. Uh, that do the mission kind of in a unique way. Uh, and good setup, bro. Yeah. God, what a trained professional you are. <laughs> so for real. So, so it, 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 I think it's in a lot of ways kind of challenges to kind of think through some things about how we, you know, how we look at the mission, how we do the mission. And so kind of started this conversation here. And so, so, Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna th- set it up and then throw it to you to kind of help uh, hmm. define some things. Okay. So that so that we know really kind of what we're talking about, right? Okay. All right. So in these in these meetings and in these conversations, one of the things really uh, came out was a concept or idea that 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 they kind of termed decentralizing the mission. True. Okay, decentralizing the mission. So what I'd like for you to do is just kind of define All right. what they're talking about when they're talking about what is centralized mission, what is decentralization of the mission, mm-hmm. how does that affect us? So, let, so let's start with the definition, 
and then talk about what that looks like. You know, I, so so when we start talking about this, there's probably going to be some people that start to, you know, start to like question, wonder, like, what does this mean? You know, kind of preservationist mode and and whatever. What does this mean for the church? And and as an apostolic mm. church, what does that mean? What does it look like? So we're going to kind of address those things, but but define it for us. Let's get this kicked off and and, and then kind of take it from the definition and then what that means to us. Okay. Well, I'll de- I'll just um I'll define it off of a a uh, quickly off of a a graphic that we created to kind of uh summarize this idea. I don't know how easy it is to put some of this stuff into the uh, into the comments or whatever, if you can even do that. But. So last time I, I did, so you, you had mentioned the, the graphic last time I had to go back and do it afterwards. It didn't let me add it live. Crazy. So I was able to go back and add it afterwards. So if, if okay. people were looking for that, it was, it, I did add that later on. All right. So, um, the, the, um, the idea of missional centralization versus decentralization I think has to do with this idea of the level of missional discipleship that you have in your church. So when we, when we're talking about decentralization, essentially the idea is this, the gather to grow versus the go to grow model. Okay. Um, I think that's probably the, man, I think that's, that's probably the essence of it. Um, it gives people the idea at least, um, and then they fill in the blanks based on their experience. But yeah, you know, most churches uh, in North America have over the years adopted a gather to grow model, which is essentially um, come in and uh, uh, bring them here. We've talked about this. This is, this is where and why there's this idea of the attractional church. And, um, and so and so the 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 attractional churches basically has to be robust enough mm-hmm. to get people to come through the doors and then to and then to keep them uh, yeah. to to incite somebody to be a guest to make them an attender and then to make them a member and so the mission then would be so I think this is this is why this chart is important because it also requires people that are either going to be volunteers or live their life on mission. So gather to grow is this idea that man, let's get as many people under the roof on Sunday. And then, and then next Sunday, let's get more people under the roof. And then the next Sunday, more people under the roof. And if we just keep that constant trend of more people under the roof on Sunday, then our church is going to grow. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, that creates a particular uh, emphasis, and that emphasis is either is is on this idea. So that would be a church that would have a high missional impulse, yeah. but low missional discipleship. In other words, the people don't really know how to do the mission aside from the programs yes. and services and the things that the church asks them to plug into. Right. So, so the thinking part of it, the creative part of it, the innovative part of it, the spirit led part of it happens by leaders and gifted people that say, Hey, we've created this amazing product, this great idea, this new initiative. We need some people to get involved with this. And so you amass a great team, you get the most talented people and you bring them together. And then you ask people, come and give yourself to this and we're going to grow. Yeah. 
Okay. So that would be that would be a, a sort of a contrast between centralization and decentralization. Decentralization. Can I can I just interject real quick? I, I love that because because so the 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 just very simplified definition there is it's centralized because what you said the mission of the individual is centered on the institution, right? Right. So so they're not they're not. <clears throat> their their missional responsibilities are volunteerism, the ministries right. of the church, and that kind of stuff, and that's why. So it, so it becomes a very centralized piece, and 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 you know we talk about where that comes from or whatever. There's a, there's a lot of really good uh, information about like Hillsong and what how they mm -hmm. built that empire that they built, but it was it was all almost exclusively built on volunteerism and yeah. getting plugged into ministries and that kind of stuff, which is a big part. And, and so, and I would encourage people to go by the way, Chris, to go back and listen to some of our podcasts about the attractional church, where we talk about that concept. Really exactly. In depth, exactly. Know. But it's centralized because most people, your, your engagement, the mission, what you do outside the building, a lot of times it doesn't have correlation a lot to what you do inside the building mm -hmm. of the church. And what you do outside the building is basically sell the church to people. There you go. There you go. Very good. Go out there. Here's your job. Tell people how good it is. Yeah. Here's your job. Go out there and and go out there and wear your I love my church shirt <laughs> and tell people how amazing your church is. He just went there. I did. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. All right. So, so so now on the other so so I think that's huge because what happens is is that uh, and there's a lot of reasons why people from a missional perspective. So if you look at a, if you think of a, a almost like a graph yeah. and on one side you have high decentralization uh, uh, and low decentralization on one side and across the bottom, you've got low missional impulse and high missional impulse. Right. Um, uh, what, what, what you'll look at is, or what you'll see is in that chart, you'll find that the, that the, that the high, the more you are missional or, or, or the, the less your people are missional. Let me say it like this. The less your people are missional, but the higher that your institution is missional, missional. So, so mm. how would you arrive at a place where you have low missional people, but high missional institution? Well, the church right. wants to grow. Yeah. And so the, the pastor's preaching it and they've got the new, there's a new initiative that we got. And we're like, Hey, we're got, we have a, uh, we've got an attendance record. We're going to be beat. Let's, you know, we have our record attendance and Easter's coming up. And so we have a record attendance that we're going to beat. People aren't actually living on mission, which is bringing the light to dark places and bringing recovery to dysfunctional people. And through the introduction of the gospel through relationships it is wearing the latest iteration of the the of of the advertise the church campaign advertisement ch shirt. Yeah, just like you would wear if you became a multi level marketer, you wear your shirt, and it's like you know, so people will ask you about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. So that's a so so basically that's a tool that sometimes churches give to their people. Hey, go wear this, and they go out and they're like, "Oh, dude, tell me about that," you know, whatever. And so so that they can sell the sell the, the people in their church. Uh, high decentralization and high missional impulse by the people. 
would be very interesting because that's where we're really going for. Because decentralization, right? Decentralization is we're still going to promote the mission at the institutional level, the corporate level, not but at the corporate level. But what we're going to do is, is we're going to empower you yes, to actually personally carry the mission with you everywhere you go. Yeah. And, and, and the beautiful thing about that is, is that it is the force multiplier. If you could get, if you have a church of 200 people and you can get 50 people that are living on mission everywhere they go, then now you've got high decentralization, but you also have a high individual missional impulse. And so I think that's the, that right there sort of frames this whole idea of centralization, decentralization. It requires, it requires the people to become really the mechanism of the mission. Man, I got so many questions and just so many different ways we can go uh, on this. I, I definitely, I definitely want to get to, I want to talk about why, why some leaders and some people are resistant. Uh, I want to talk about like re- resistant to decentralization. I want to talk about maybe some of the risks, <clears throat> you know, and swinging, swinging pendulum and all that kind of stuff. Like, 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 can you become, can you become too decentralized? Is there, is there a need for some, some level of centralization and whatever. But before we get to that, yeah. before we get to that, here, so I guess here's my question is how in the world, Ken, yeah. did we get to a place where, where the, the, the majority, like, so you're talking about on the graph, the majority of missional efforts are, uh, are, are, are centralized efforts in the building, centralized efforts. Like you're talking about the, the, the selling people on the church, getting people to come to the, come to the church and that kind of stuff. And mm. I, I know we've talked about attractional model, but, but just, I think it is important to have the conversation and just continue to reinforce like, you know, the, the missional commandment of Jesus is individual. You go yeah. and you make disciples, but somewhere along the way, we've kind of lost that. So, so it, does it say something about us? So I'm throwing this as a question to you. Does it say something about us that even the conversation about de- decentralization causes a little bit of anxiety for a lot of people because, because they've seen misuse, they've seen it, they've seen, okay, so I think a lot of people have seen decentralization that are, are the idea, the concept of decentralization, which really is birthed out of kind of an anti-church yeah. mindset. Yeah. We don't like the church. We don't like yeah. submission. Yeah. We don't like, right. you know, whatever. Or, or people who say, people say, imagine what we could do if people weren't putting all that money into the buildings and the blah, 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 blah. And they, and so then they swing the pendulum the other direction and say, that's why we need to have a home church model. Right. Or, or small groups. So, so one of the questions is can small groups or home groups, can they be centralized? Or, 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 or said a, a different way. Can your, can you have a home church that's decentralized, but still sterile? Exactly. That's the challenge. If your church is sterile, if your church is sterile and they're not reaching people, the problem is not, this is the deal. It's not, 
ultimately, Chris, if the if the church is not growing, sometimes it's it is the institution's fault. It, I, I do believe that there is a a low. I think there is a low institutional missional impulse and a low individual missional impulse, and those churches aren't growing. But I'm I'm just saying that I do believe that there are uh, um, that there are people that are basically have a low missional impulse. They're just simply reflexing to high centralization, and they're like, "We're going to decentralize," and they're not going to reach the world either because yeah. they're. You know, they're there because they have a per everybody in your, in your home group, everybody in your cell group has, I mean, everybody knows there's church, there's churches that have cell groups and it becomes a, a, a biblical fellowship group that just meets outside of the four walls of the church. They could be no more or no less effective if they just met in a Sunday school room, but they feel really cool because it's like, oh, we're not meeting under the, we're out in our neighborhood. Well, okay, good. I mean, that's fine. Like, yeah you know, whatever. But if you still have a low personal missional impulse, you're still going to be sterile. Your, your little home group, your little home church group is still going to be sterile. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it, I don't it, say little in a, a downgrading way, like your little, you know, whatever. I'm pejorative saying, to use your word. No, right. I'm, I'm not using it in a pejorative context. I'm just saying little compared to, yeah. you know, we've, we've, we've micro. Man, that's such a good point, bro. It's not, it's not the size. It's not the size you can have, you can have sterile big church meetings. You can have sterile small group meetings. And, and so the issue is not the size. The issue is again, kind of what is the operating system, which is, which is kind of one of your, you know, one of your big platforms there. Like what is the operating system that drives it? So for example, we do you know, we encourage our people to to be engaged in what we call X groups, multiplication groups, multiplication discipleship groups. Right. And the reason that's not that is not what that is is it's designed to be uh, discipleship relationships that are birthed out of individual engagement in the mission. Right. So they're 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 finding. Right, they're they're finding disciplable people out in the world, and then they're they're there uh, bringing people into that group. So so they're engaged yep. in the mission. So that's yep. the individualized that's the individualized mission, yep. not hey, we're going to put you in this small group to to you know just because we want to make it a smaller group, bro. That's see, that's the thing. I think <clears throat> ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we here we are in. Uh, currently, you know, in this process, I think we're, we're currently in a place where there's a lot of discussion going on. I think a lot of the discussion that's going on about this revolves around, uh, some of it revolves around sort of the deconstruction idea, uh, uh, you know, so I, I think it's important for us to at least, at least address the idea that we're, you know, we believe that gathering is biblical. Yeah. yeah we believe, sure. right. We believe getting to, uh, you know, getting to come together on Sunday. And we believe that there's also, you know, a missional thing that happens in that. I think sure. the thing that is important for us to recognize is that when we're having this discussion, 
we are not discuss, discussing ecclesiology. We're discussing missiology. Yes. Uh, in other words, we're not discussing church government yes. and church organization. We're discussing missional methodology. So I think at the end of the day, it's important for us to recognize that there are a lot of reasons there are a lot of reasons why people want to decentralize and most of those are most of those decentralization um reflexes yeah. are a deconstructionism hmm. uh a deconstructionism uh, I want to say man I don't want to say angst Mm-hmm. Sure. Maybe that's a good word, right? Sure. Sort of a, or maybe it's an, maybe it's an, uh, like a, a, an, an institutionalism angst that is, um, there's an, in, there's an institutionalism angst that is saying from an ecclesiological perspective, people are moving to, toward decentralization because they're sort of a deconstructionism in the larger scope of Christianity. There, it, it's becoming sort of popularized exvangelical, you know, mm. not not evangelical. It's exvangelical, and so there's this exvangelical movement. There's this deconstruction movement, and so on and so forth. And what it is is it's a reflex. It's a reflex to what they see as either the sins. The, the 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 brokenness of the you know I mean I've heard you know misogyny I've heard sure, the abuse sure. I've heard all of those things that they say happens inside the institutional centralized context and so theirs is a an ecclesiological so reflex to an institutional angst we are not discussing that we are not we don't we're not part of that we don't believe in that amen we believe that god set up the church and he said i will build my church and we believe that there will always be a centralized component component which is church government and hierarchy and authority and we believe in 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 gathering and all of those things okay excerpt yes. that clip and play it over and over and over because while we believe that, we believe that decentralization is necessary. We believe that decentralization is necessary in a missiological context. And it's not the result of angst. Yes. It's not the result of so good, bro. any kind of bitterness. It's not the result of, of, of trying to be uh, you know, bless God, the church is going to get its reckoning. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the practicality of where we are in the world today with people's propensity to want to find Jesus and have a spiritual quest That's answered so underneath the roof of a, of a classic institutional structured church. People today are on a spiritual quest and they want to find answers, but they're looking in relationships with people that they trust. And so we're saying the missional innovation is going to go through the roof. The moment that we start teaching people to be spirit-led, missional, everyday missionaries, spirit-led, right now in an institutional context, 
the missional innovation, Chris, yeah. sits mostly on those people that we talked about who were the most gifted, most talented, whatever. And they're yeah. provi- they're producing all these, the, you know, these, this new initiative, these new programs are doing all these things. And so they have the missional innovation sits with this small group of people. Yeah. But if we could imagine what would happen if we could decentralize, decentralize the mission. There you go. While remaining true to the anchoring of God's central church ecclesiological structure, what would happen? How would missional innovation go through the roof as the Spirit of God speaks to the hearts and minds of people of how to reach people in their where they where they learn, live, work, and play? Absolutely, man. As you're talking there, I couldn't help but think of you know the concept that, that we've talked about about redeeming the terms yes and and there is there is there there can be a lot of motivations and reasons uh, for for people like you mentioned for decentralization yes. some of it some of it could be some of it could be well-intentioned some of it can be you know birthed out of angst of flaws and things that people are seeing within the church and uh whatever some of it some of it could be rebellion some of it could be a lack of submission I mean, there's there's all kinds of reasons of why that can happen, and I love how you set that up. What we're saying is, the reason that matters is that the 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 most uh, effective way to reach our world uh-huh. is for the individual to be living on mission on a consistent basis in every place, every day where they live, learn, work, and play. Right. Right. That's true. That's that's the that's the component that brings multiplication that's the component that can reach into places where the institution church can't go right that's right and so so the, the what we're talking about is when we talk about decentralization we're not talking about following a cool trend yep. right some of it can be some of some like so talk about different motives what, what are the motivations some of it can be well like this church went to small groups and they blew up man it just went bananas well, the reality is it wasn't it wasn't just because the church went to small groups that the church attendance grew. Right. It was because there was a missional impulse. impulse. There That's was it. a missional culture. Those was, small groups facilitated the missional impulse and gave those people the, the place to express it finally. Yeah, absolutely. So here's my question. Okay. Yes. So so we could have a couple different conversations. All right. We could talk about we could talk about from a from a uh church leader pastoral standpoint of how to move but but we talk a lot about that and that's kind of what we do in a lot of ways is how do we how do we help churches create the culture of the operating system within their church where the individual has the missional impulse that's where the mission happens Jared Staten actually he made a statement that said in our comments and by the way we like we love the comments you know we love the comments even from foreign countries and whatever um yes right you know what i'm saying um, exactly but he made a statement he made a statement back in the uh what was it the 1046 uh mark <clears throat> and he said one of the hardest battles is taking institutional people and moving them to missional mindset i totally totally agree with that and i'm thankful hey omaha nebraska the whole city is w- watching our podcast right now in uh right on, U- on youtube and we're so glad that the city of Omaha, Nebraska has joined us. Apparently, Omaha, Nebraska has voted 
Um, I don't know how that this has happened so quickly, but Omaha, Nebraska, at the 1055, 30, 1055 and 31 second mark said not true. Uh, one of the greatest statements of social media of all time. Uh, <laughs> it's basically, you know, you don't have to have any kind of a qualification of what you're talking about, whatever. It's just not true. We're so thankful that the missional experts of Omaha, Nebraska, Nebraska has come on to tell us that that was not true. So anyway, um, <clears throat> um, but with that being said, um, I, I think, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think that, uh, Jared Staten, I totally think that, you know, his, the, this, uh, element is something that is so, so crazy important bro. Yeah. because what he's talking about is, and, and, and saying that this is the, that one of the most difficult things, this is the challenge that we find in, in our, in our, in our coaching network and in our cohorts and whatever, the, the pastors really do want to make that happen, but they're having a hard time making it happen. Sure. And, and, and bro, it's so crazy because, uh, I think that from the standpoint of, of decentralization of people sort of picking that up, I personally believe that, um, that we are, we're living at a place where individuals, yeah, he, people have sort of become. How do I say this? That 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 people have become. The, 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 that's become the expectation. Yeah. Uh, that that it's become how they they are expected to fit into the system. Sure. And and the problem is not again. The problem is not that there is a central centralized element, a corporate. Let's use the term corporate for centralized. Right. Right. The problem is not that there's a corporate element element to the church. The problem is is that the way people see themselves fitting into that corporate structure. Sure. Here here's how yes. you serve. Whatever. Here's how you serve. Here's what. Here's your role here this is the church. And I think this is the conversation that we could have. And we've had this conversation in the past that the, the church isn't the brick and mortar building, the uh, you know, all of those things. I think that at the end of the day, I think the, the bottom line is, is that the, the church, when, when the church got to the place that there was a priest laity gap. Yeah. That created, and, and man, we've got so much, we could go back in church history. I don't want to go to, you know, to that, but man, we could go back into church history and we could talk about the fact that, you know, in the long ago, in the medieval era and whatever, you know, even in the reformation period where, uh, you know, where, where all of a sudden there's this, uh, there's these people who basically, you know, they're getting killed for yeah. translating the Bible into the language of the people because, well, people are going to start reading the Bible for themselves. They're not trained. They can't do it. And so they need somebody to read it and interpret it for them. And that's the whole idea of, the, of priest and laity. Sure. Well, that priest-laity gap continued for a long time. And in some ways it does continue even through the Protestant Reformation. And I think, Chris, there's there's a there's a deal where there's still an idea that says that the role of church people is to come and to be faithful and to get fed. 
to be faithful and to get fed. That's what you do as church members. Sure. And I think that the real switch is not a pendulum swing, but a rediscovery of what a force, the mm. true the true spirit-empowered body of Christ who have received the spirit according to Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power if the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses, right? In yeah. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, that the that the power of the spirit is going to uh, cause there to be the power, the authority to witness. So I think that's I think that's where this has all come from in 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 some ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I know. Um, sorry, hold on just a second. There we go. I I know that. Uh, so I want to talk to I want, like individually. Uh-huh. You know, so 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 we kind of address from like the church standpoint, pastoral standpoint, leadership, kind of what our view and perspective is supposed to be. Um, one of the things that that I want to address and talk about is from a, from an individual, from somebody who is, uh, somebody who is just living out the mission, somebody who's a child of God, whatever. Yeah. How so? We want to be careful. We want to be cautious because there, I think there was a, there was some movement. I don't know. I don't know when it kind of started, but but you know, body ministry became kind of a term, right? Body ministry. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, so talking about what that means to have body ministry, and one of the things I think that kind of happened from that was that that there there can be this idea. I think I think unwittingly at times we can open our, open ourselves up just a little bit to. Um, kind of a Cora mindset. I won't, I won't say a Cora spirit, but kind of a Cora mindset, right? right. Which, which, which Moses was called by God to lead the people of Israel. It wasn't because of his goodness. It wasn't because of his great leadership skills. Whatever it was, it was God's call for him to go do that. Uh-huh. And there was a Cora spirit that came up that said, "Are there men in Israel hmm. that, that they could do what you're doing? They they're just as holy as you are." They can hear from God just as much as you can hear from God. And I think I think kind of what we're talking about is like a lot of times this becomes very appealing to to people that unwittingly get exposed to that kind of mindset and that attitude. So for believers, Ken, for a believer, let's just talk about, have the conversation about, you know, what we're saying, again, how you set it up and how you talked about it was was so good. It's so per- This is not birthed out of any angst, frustration, as it pertains to like like the church and, and whatever. It's birthed out of this is the way Jesus designed the mission to be accomplished was to unleash the army of mobilized believers in the key spaces of life where they can where where, where they can go. And there shouldn't so I think the problem is it's created the, the the centralization has created a culture where the mission is done in a very small segment of our of our life. Typically, right. where we serve, and it may be right. a couple right. of hours on a Sunday, or yeah, yeah, yeah. there may be some other things that we do, right. but primarily a couple of hours on a Sunday. And what we're saying is, how do we unleash that potential the other six sevenths of the week to get people engaged in that? That's where you get to multiplication. What a so, so talking to individuals, what does that look like for them? How can they, you know, I, I don't say implement this in their lives, but, but how can they make this a part of their life? I think that's really, I mean, that that's the, <clears throat> isn't that the, the question of the hour? That's the core 
you know, that's the core of what we're, the heart of what we're talking about. Sure. At the end of the day, really, I think that the, the thing that needs to happen is that number one, I think, uh, from an individual perspective that being and participating in the corporate fellowship of the body of Christ is a, not only a biblical responsibility, but it's something that Jesus tells us that our, our giftings aren't complete without each other. Sure. Nobody has all the gifts of their own, you know, individual, uh, uh their, their, their own individual, you know, gifting from God. The, yeah. you know, in fact, Paul's example, one person's a pinky and one person's a, you know, an elbow and, you know, so on and so forth. And so the body is complete when we're together. And so the fellowship, the Bible said by one spirit, you baptized into one body. Yeah. And so that's, that's why we say it's not an ecclesiological discussion. This isn't ecclesiological. This is missional methodology. So I think that the important thing for individuals to do is to recognize that there is no greater witness. There's no greater impact. There's no greater advertisement of the kingdom. Yeah. Then what happens when you live every single day uh, in and among people that, that see you, yeah. that have an ability to communicate with you? There's, there's no better way to know when a person is hurting, sure. uh, when they're in a, a period of their life of confusion, when there's uh, frustration or whatever going on, there's, there's no better place than the day-to-day rhythms of life yeah, where you see the people that are around you, both, both by just simply observing and knowing them relationally, and then also being spirit led. <clears throat> I, I believe that both of those things happen on one end of the spectrum, right? On one end of the spectrum, you've got, um, people who are, you, you, you see their life. Mm-hmm. You, they're so, man, they're, they're, they're people you care about. They're people you have a relationship with. They're people you have credibility. Last week we talked about bridging the credibility gap, right? Yeah. And you yeah. have credibility with those people. And I think this is the thing. If individuals would really realize that it's really nothing more complicated than just simply loving people, serving them, being the hands and feet of Jesus on, on your day-to-day life engaging people in spiritual conversations, telling them the things that God's doing with you and in you. And then, and then watching as their spiritual interest, as the spirit moves on them, works in their life and watching their spiritual interest or watching the, the places and times in people's lives where they become more discipleable because they're seeking an answer to something that they haven't been able to figure out or, or they're just at a, a, a place where they're just like, man, I'm open right now. I just, I need something. I think that coupled with just being spirit led for the, for the Holy spirit to speak to you and say that person right there is ready. So good. I think that learning how to just simply have everyday relationships where you communicate with people, you love on them, you whatever. And, and you begin to engage them and then, and then, and then here it is. The moment that you notice that they're not spiritual, the, the, the moment you that you notice that they're spiritually hungry or that they're spiritually open, 
it don't then reflects to the missional methodology of centralization, but stay at that relational level to determine how discipleable they are through introducing the, the, the better way that Jesus is trying to bring in their life through introducing to them. Man, that's, that's so good. It's so good. And, and, you know, kind of as you're talking there, I was, I was thinking about kind of one of the things that spurred this, this idea for uh, the podcast today was a discussion about kind of a newer, a newer term. I say newer, it's, it's been around a little while, but kind of a newer idea and concept or, or what's called micro churches. Right. And, yeah, right. you know, as I was kind of thinking about, I was kind of thinking about micro churches. I think, I think, again, you can have a good uh, motive and I think a good idea behind it. But again, a micro church can, can become just as centralized as anything else. Right. So, so the micro church is not necessarily the answer mm. that the size of the church is not necessarily the answer. Like what we've said is the answer is people living on mission. And so as people true. live on mission, yes, yeah. So a lot of micro churches, you know, a lot of micro churches, really what micro churches are in a lot of instances are really just kind of interest based yeah. groups. Um, and, and we know that can be just as institutional as anything else. So, so it's not really, that's not really the answer. The, the, what we've said is, and this is why we do what we do is, is, is we believe that the greatest force is the individual living on mission every day. Yeah. That they're they're engaged, you know, on the job. They're having spiritual conversations. They're living, right? They're they're saturated themselves. They're living as disciples. They're saturated with the gospel. They're speaking the kingdom language in a fluent way that it comes out naturally. It doesn't come out weird. It's not programmatic, whatever. And then as they do that, they're they're watching to see who the Lord's dealing with. They're having spiritual yeah. conversations to identify disciplable people. And as they start to identify those discipleable people, they then begin to bring them into discipleship relationship. That's the greatest force. And then, then Ken, a, a church plant or a mission, or if you want to call it a micro church or whatever, the, what we've said is missional overflow is the greatest opportunity for launching new works and new missions and new plans, not, Hey, we're going to go and start this interest-based group in this area. Now that can be used to identify and find out who's discipleable. But at the end of the day, if you don't continue that, if you don't continue that culture, Ken, of identifying discipleable people around you, that micro church is going to become just as sterile as a as a as a church with a big building. That's so true. Yeah, that, I think, and I, I think that's huge because <clears throat> that that term micro church, I guess, is a probably a coined phrase for something that is. <laughs> not macro. Right. Um, right. But, but you're right. I think that in, in, in our context, at least our experience, what we've seen of <clears throat> those kinds of, you know, of those kinds of expressions that is sort of a merged ecclesiological and missional model. Um, there, because there is some ecclesiological component to that. And, and so, but I, I, I believe that, like you said, the element, the very interesting element of the micro church dynamic is the fact that um, the people, right? The people who are engaged are often engaged in a place where they learn, live, work, and play. 
and specifically are going after working on or addressing some kind of some kind of a problem, uh, some kind of a social dysfunction, some kind of a you know something that's happening in the community, uh, and bringing the light and the hope of the kingdom of Jesus, yeah, into those places. And so, so when you said interest based, you know, a lot of ways what they are are they are they're they're people that are seeing um, a, a problem. Or they're mm-hmm. seeing something going on in the community, or they're seeing something that's not getting addressed, or they're sure. seeing, you know, and it could be homelessness. It could be, uh, uh, nobody is, you know, nobody's ministering to and serving the immigrant population. Uh, it could be, um, man, it could be like that, that, that there's a, a drug issues. There could be that, um, I, I know of a church that does a micro church. There's a, or there's a micro church that addresses um, illiteracy in yeah. uh, um, underserved communities. Yeah. And so what they do is they go to those places and they, and they work to serve, to be the kingdom answer. Yes. To I love that. the, to the dilemmas of darkness. And in that process, as they love and serve and become the answer to some of those ills, rather than coming back to the pastor or the leadership team of the church and saying, Hey, we ought to, why don't we have a, a ah, ministry, bro, there right? you go. Yes. Or, right. Or coming back to, you know, ma'am, why don't we, why don't we, uh, why don't we do a thing? Why doesn't our church do a new, we need to have this new initiative. Um, man, we've got illiteracy going on in these areas that are underserved. Why didn't our church go there? And what, what, what needs to happen is, is that no, the spirit of the Lord spoke to individuals. It was recognized by people who are living in and amongst those problems. Um, and so what 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 would be beautiful is if the church had the capacity to do what the Ephesians 4 model is is to use apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher to train yeah and perfect the church for the working of that ministry and both empower them train them and release them to go and say go do that and while you do that Show, share the light of Jesus, share the love of Jesus through ministering in these ways. And you will begin to see spiritually open and hungry people as a result of your efforts. And you will start finding discipleable people. Those people will start going into X groups and then you'll find a growing X group community, a growing community of disciples that emerge out of that. That is a very viral form of, of doing the mission in a, in a complete whole mission missiological way man i love that bro i'm just just close it up wrap it up here uh read a couple of comments john hummel i think being intentional is the main key intentionality intentionality or i'm sorry intentionally building relationships looking for oppor- uh for an opportunity and intentionally looking to love incarnationally becoming jesus to your world gary gothier said jesus said if two or three would gather together in his name he would be in the middle of it he was a proponent of quote unquote microchurch but the context was living on mission in normal, ordinary people that go. 
which is so good. Very good. And then Tony Richard, Jesus refers to himself as living water. What he has done in us should naturally flow through us. This doesn't happen. We eventually become stagnant or centralized. He has designed this, his kingdom to flow through us 24 so seven. So good, dude. Yeah. So, so great comments today. And, uh, you know, we, we know like, like this can be a little bit of a bugaboo issue, you know, like, yeah. like a little bit of a, because there's, there, there are a lot of terms, you know, I've been listening to a podcast recently about just some biblical stuff, whatever. And sometimes there's some terms that, that over time there's some baggage or there's some preconceived ideas that kind of get embedded in those definitions. And I think this is one of those. And that's why it's important. I think Ken, for us to redeem the terms and to clarify what it means, because it is the purpose of the kingdom, the way of the kingdom uh, to decentralize it. So, so we appreciate all the comments. Um, Most of <laughs> we've had some, we battled through some stuff today. Lesson learned on YouTube and some of those kinds of things. Man, the algorithm major, somehow opened us up to a lot of stuff, something. So we'll we'll deal with that. We'll address that. Um, it was a <laughs> ADD. There was a moment there for both of us. ADD was going wild, bro. I love the comment though. I've just got to be honest. I love the comment where he said you duck, and I thought. <laughs> Either that's somebody who's messing with us or I'm like, and then he changed it to you suck. And I'm like, no, actually you had it right the first time. We were ducking. <laughs> we were ducking somebody, somebody yeah. with ADD, man. There was a couple moments that both of us like some glitchy, glitchy stuff was going on, but we saw my comments it. left. I know. I know. They, so they, they did come back for me eventually, but, uh, so anyway, whatever, but that's why bro, it's why we're trained professionals. Right? Doesn't it doesn't phase us. <laughs> exactly. So thank you for being a part of this great conversation, except you crazy people on YouTube. Other than that, we appreciate everybody else <laughs> for, for commenting and being a part. Right. We're gonna come back next week, Ken. We're gonna come back next week better than ever. Good deal. I take that prophetically. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for being a part today. Check us out on social media. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Dillingham Group Mobilized Church Podcast. We'd love to connect with you, and there are several ways that you can do that. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching The Dillingham Group. You can also go to our website, thedillinghamgroup.org, and fill out the form on the contact page to get more information about multiplication, discipleship, and all the topics discussed on this podcast. We also have individual social media accounts that you can follow. Just look for Chris Dillingham and Ken Dillingham on all the social media platforms. If you like today's episode, drop by Apple Podcast and leave us a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Mobilized Church Podcast. We hope you can join us next week as we talk about what it means to live mobilized. <laughs>